you're just like, okay, you know, yeah, now I have three years worth of work that I've got to get done in one year. If you don't step up and say something about it, then they're just going to say, okay, you know, Neil can handle this. You know, maybe um, six months into it, we give Neil another project because now all he's got, you know, he's got six years or six months of a project done. You know, he can handle another project. You know, kind of thing. And, you know, we just let that, you know, go on and on and on and on and on. And, and it's, and if you're, and if that's the incentive is just that they rely on you, which, you know, tends to be the case in a lot of, you know, it's just, you want to make yourself so indispensable that you'll take all of this responsibility on and you'll push yourself to do all of this work and everything that that's really it. That's, that's what your reward is, regardless of what they're paying you. It's just that you're, you know, they're just going to work you more. That's the reward is they're going to work you more. Welcome to the Speak podcast. I'm Evan Troxell. Each episode, Neil Pan, Cormac Phelan, and I have a casual conversation about all things architecture, and we invite you to listen in as we talk about everything in the profession, both the good and the bad. Maybe you're considering a career in architecture, you're still in school, or you've been around the blocks of Corbusier's City of Tomorrow more times than you'd like to admit. Join us in the studio as we stand around the water cooler and talk about why we love our chosen profession. It's time for some Arcaspeak. Welcome to episode 28 of the Arcaspeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxell. And I'm Cormac Phelan. And this week, we have a very special friend of the show, Jonathan Pickup. And for those of you that do not know Jonathan... He is uh, officially now our second New Zealand friend of the show, uh, but he is also uh, the guru when it comes to Vectorworks and Vectorworks tutorials, um, so highly recommend anyone who uses that uh, program to uh, go check out his site. We'll have a, a link actually in the uh, show notes to his site. So thank you, Jonathan, for supporting the show. Thanks, Jonathan. We appreciate it. Very much so. Hey, where do you find the show notes? You can subscribe to the show notes by visiting arcaspeakpodcast.com and subscribe to the show notes. And uh, you can also find them on the page that this episode is posted on, which is going to be uh, arcaspeakpodcast.com slash episodes slash 28. And uh, that has all the links to the things that we talk about during the show. So check it out. All right. We're talking about how sympathetic Cormac is is to his team members, <laughs> his consultants, his clients. We were talking about no sympathy. <laughs> oh, no sympathy. That's right. So you've been working a little bit lately, Cormac, huh? Yeah, I've been uh, doing a little extra overtime, um, trying to just get a... Extra overtime. What's that? <laughs> extra overtime. You know, there's like your... You know, okay, yeah, I've, I've worked a few hours extra this day or that day. You know, and then you say, oh, I can't believe I've really worked that long. I can't remember the last time I slept. That's extra overtime. That's extra OT. <laughs> exactly. And you're getting paid for that, right? Oh, yeah, you know. Don't... <laughs> In the world of architecture? Yeah. Yeah. No. 
No. Oh, you're a, you're a salary. I'm employee. a salary man, which right. means that it doesn't matter how many hours I put in, I uh, still get paid the same. I was talking about this with my wife lately, and, and you know, they always refer to us as exempt employees, uh, those who are salary. And, exempt. and I said, yeah, I don't even know what that means. And she goes, well, it means you're exempt from the labor laws. <laughs> that's great. Oh, crap. That hurts. So that's what that means. That's what it nice. means. I didn't Exempt that. employees. Yes. There's exempt and non-exempt. And if you are that exempt. That is awesome. It, I mean, I, it, I've always kind of, heard that term. But I've never heard that term, but. I, you've never heard that term? No. Um, you oh, okay. It's not that I'm not going to use it from here on out, but honestly, I've never heard that term. Yeah, it's a, I don't know, maybe it's more of a California It's probably term. because I've always been an exempt employee. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's just like what you were in school. You do what it takes. Yeah. Well, the first, the first firm I was, uh, I, I don't know, not, not, not the first firm, but the, the firm I worked at uh, soon after college um, for for almost eight years, they um, basically when you were hired, you were an exempt employee. They called you that, and hmm. I never really. I mean, I kind of. I guess I knew what it. Well, I knew what it meant. I didn't get paid for overtime, but I didn't realize that. I guess I've just never thought about it that exempt meant except from exempt from labor laws. So well, yeah. wow. nice. That's well, I know that when I got hired on i was hourly and then later on i was made salary and it it was sold as an exciting thing because um you had a lot of potential for bonus when you did that when you were hourly you didn't um you if you got a you could still possibly get a bonus but it wasn't anywhere near what you could if you were salaried because you know supposedly um salaried employees get to you know, you're still tracking the time that you're putting towards the projects, right, Cormac? Yeah, yeah. And uh, you, uh, at the end of the year, they could pull up those records and see, you know, what the effort was and what the results were of the projects you were working on. And then they could make a, uh, I don't know, they they just decide on how much of a bonus you were going to get based on whatever potential was out there for your salary range or for your position in the firm or whatever it was. Um, and then the economy hit, mm. right? Yes. And and then nobody got any bonuses and nobody got any merit increases and the you didn't even get a cost of living increase. So it was actually like you're getting a pay reduction every year. Yeah. And uh and but yet yet you're still uh, expected ex- to work. <clears throat> and yet you're still an exempt employee. And you're still an exempt employee and you still work extra overtime. Extra OT. Oh. That's right. Now you're just depressing me. So what kind of sympathy do you have or, or not? Oh, I think it's all been a bunch of no sympathy for me, um, really. Um, you know, we've just, without going too too much into it, because we don't really like to talk well, just give Well, yeah. just give people a taste of what it's really like uh, to work know, in the field of architecture. Um, if you, um, that's, you know, that's what we do de- here. Deadlines never move. You know, de- deadlines, you know, I mean, unless you can negotiate deadlines, but, you know, say you're under under construction, you know, those never move, you know, especially, yeah. um, you know, in the field that we, you know, or, or with the client base that you and I, you know, tend to work with, with school boards that, you know, schools have to open on time. 
things have to get done. So, you know, if, uh, you know, you're at a particularly rough time of a project, you know, say a historic project that has a lot of unforeseen conditions that are, you know, make what you thought, you know, the assumptions that you made during your uh, design process and construction documentation process, um, you know, and in there it's nowhere near them and uh, you got to work a little bit extra time. So be it. No mm-hmm. sympathy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, in, um, you know, it's interesting because, you know, it can actually, you know, this, that example that I gave kind of tends to, in, you know, in my case, you know, we're, um, not in my case, but, you know, in my, like my team's case and stuff, you know, um, whereas, and, and I was talking about this with, you know, some, some older, you know, older seasoned architects out of that, um, and it was like, well, what was it like when you came out of school? I mean, you know, what were you, what did you try to do when you were first hired? I mean, when I was there, I mean, I was trying to impress them to show them, you know, how hard I could work and, you know, how, you know, I could just basically kind of crank it out and be there and do whatever they need. You know, I'm there for you. You know, I'm your man. You know, I'm going to be an invaluable part of this team. And, um, you know, I remember my very first day, uh, you know, right after graduation, my very first uh, day at work, I was there till about two thirty at night. Now the bosses were there too, um, because they were trying. You know, they were given a, uh, um, they were shortlisted for a project, but they basically had a really quick turnaround to get a um, proposal done. So it was all hands on deck, and everybody, everybody stayed. It was an office of seven people, and all seven people were there till two o'clock, two thirty at night, and um, it just doesn't seem to be that way anymore. You know, it yeah. it almost seems like you know it's the kinder, gentler intern, graduate, whatever. You know, where they're like, well, you know, I've really got to go home and do this or that and stuff, you know, which, you know, honestly, you're not kidding. You know, you are a, uh, did you say in, indentured employee? <laughs> uh, uh, sorry. You, they're, no, they're non-exempt. Non- you do <laughs> have to follow those labor laws. Exactly. The exempt employee. I'm sorry. Slip Freudian slip there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it, we, you know, you just, you're you're there you know you're only supposed to be working for the 40 hours a week and stuff and you and you really should honestly try to manage projects so you don't have to work overtime but there are those times when it happens that you have to work overtime you have to you know be there and you know sometimes it's kind of interesting you know i'll be working away and it may only be like seven o'clock at night i pop my head you know up and everybody's gone yeah. Wait, I, I know we're all working on the same deadline. <laughs> Where is everybody? Yeah. It's you know, it's 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 a weird dynamic. I think it a lot of it has to do with the way that the firm is the culture of the firm is. You know, I, I kind of feel the same way and it's not I think there everybody should be everybody does have a life or every and, and everybody has different circumstances. Um there are people who can work a lot more than other people, depending on where they are in their life. You know, they could be just out of school or they could be of the age where their kids are out of the house and maybe they, they want to work more. And then there's other people who have 
kids and they want to be home and have be with their kids when they grow up and uh, everybody kind of has to set their own boundaries but they also you have to work within you know be a fit with the culture of your firm so different firms have different expectations just like different bosses have different expectations but then when it really comes down to it at the end there is that deadline right and you've got to get it into the to whoever by whatever time and and some somebody agreed to that and so you have to stand by it you know you know you know karmic the the situation you describe is it reminds me of when um i think when i first started i worked in some smaller firms you know maybe one or two three people and it was very much kind of all hands on deck uh to get something done and that was kind of uh i guess just what i was used to and so my first, you know, big job where uh, I worked at a larger firm, and by large, I mean, I think it was maybe about 30, 30 to 35 people at the time. So a fair, fairly good-sized firm. And um, it was a very strange experience when, you know, not the entire firm was working on a project. Uh, you know, I mean, a firm that large, you've got, you know, two or three or four people on individual projects and you know this firm had uh had people working on you know commercial projects and some people working on residential and so it's very diverse firm and it was very strange when your project had a deadline and you were there late um and working hard and there were other people in the firm that you knew and it was like yeah um see you later i'm going home you know i don't have a deadline so i don't have to work late and sometimes it was a very strange, it was a strange um, uh, feeling to have that that you were having to work late and other people were going home. And, and to a certain extent, they either couldn't help you if they wanted to uh, for a variety of reasons. Sometimes, you know, it may not, it may be, hey, the project can't absorb another body, you know, right? You know, just well, you know, yeah. from, from a budget standpoint, right? So there's that. But even if... Um, you know, I mean, I, and so, so it's like, I don't know. It was just a very strange, I don't know if you guys have experienced that too, that first time when you're kind of in a big, bigger office and, and you're working late and nobody else is there, you know, know, it's like, well, usually it's it's very strange. There's just a couple people there and, uh, yeah, it is. It's, it's weird. It's quiet. It's dead kind of, I mean, I, I, I got feeling. I got used to it after a while. It, it and, wasn't and, like and that in studio, right? Everybody was there. No. Oh, yeah. Well, it, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, everybody was there. Everybody the had the same deadline. Right. It was a lot different. But that you're right. I think right. there's something to be said about how different that is from studio. Because that's kind of how you're Well, not only studio, but, 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 you know, um, firm to firm, right? Yeah, I mean, right. Cormac, when you're explaining... You, know, you had seven people there. That's kind of a place where it's all hands on deck and everybody works, you know, to pull in on a project if you need to. Um, but when you have a firm of 30 or, you know, or more, I mean, this firm grew to over 100 people while I was there. And, um, you know, when you're that big, you don't even know what's going on because you got a satellite office and, you know, who knows what's going on up there. So, um, you know, so you can't be working all together to get something done. Um, and it's just, a, it's a strange thing. So, I mean, 
people, you know, if our listeners, if you're in school now, you know, expect that it's going to be a little bit different because in studio, like Evan just said, everybody's got the same deadline and you're all working together, maybe not helping each other out on a, on a team. But, um, when you get out into, into the workforce, uh, it's a little different. Yeah. I think it can feel a little strange. I think it has to do with the size of the firm more than anything. Right. Because, because that really starts to, to look at how many projects could be going on at one time in the firm. And, and so, yeah, if you're in a small firm, then everybody probably is working on the same one or two projects together. Well, you know, right. I mean, there's that, there's the projects that you really just don't, you know, I'll give you a good example of the project that I'm working on right now. It's got some crazy deadlines to it. And, you know, we've got a handful of people working on it and they know the project. So, um, you know, and, and I was asked by the senior project manager, you know, hey, would you, you know, do you need more people on this project? I'm like, to be quite honest with you, no. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you, if you think about it, if I could have one person doing this, one person doing that, one person doing that, we could crank it all out. But I really don't want another person on there because I don't have the time to explain the project to somebody to really get them, you know, up to speed on the project. So, you know, there's times yeah. when you can't have you know a large group effort on it because really it makes the project counterproductive well um, i'll tell you that i i've seen more often than not that throwing bodies at a job uh, just slows everything down yes it because does. of exactly what you just said right it's that you have to you have to get them up to speed and that alone takes a long time to do let alone you don't know if they're going to have the same standards that the, the team has already de- developed you know, it seems like with all these Revit projects, every project that comes along, we have to discuss a new way to do it because it didn't quite work out how we thought the last time. Right. Um, so there's there's new things being developed or it's a different project type and it requires thinking about it a different way and, and organizing the models in different ways. Um, and so if you're coming off one project that does it one way and going on to a new project where things are different, but nobody takes the time to tell you that, you're going to make more problems. You know, I'm actually glad you brought up Revit. Um, had lunch with a uh, uh, an old friend of mine that used to be a project manager um, at the firm that I'm at. And in fact, actually at the firm that I was at before I was at this firm. You know, we were just two project, you know, two Bedouin project managers moving from place to place. <laughs> and uh, That's in a song, isn't it? Exactly. You know, and she, she was an early adopter of Revit. She embraced it a little bit quicker than I did. Um, the reason why is because she had a couple of projects that were, you know, weren't really as busy at the time as some of the projects. So, you know, whereas I was so comfortable and used to using AutoCAD every day that I could crank things out so quickly um, that I really didn't have time to be bothered with Revit. You know, and, and I think, yeah, you could insert any names of any two tools oh, right there. True, it wouldn't true, matter. Absolutely. But, you know, so, you know, now... Now this is like six years later and, you know, I, I had lunch with her. She's been, you know, working on some other things and, and I happened to, you know, talk about Revit and she was like, you know, I remember how much you, you know, you hated Revit when it first came out, you know, and I know you've been using Revit a lot, you know, so now what is your impression of Revit? I'm like, uh, I still hate it. Um, and it, <laughs> and honestly, it's not because it's. I mean, I, I think there are some things that Revit can do that really make a project go along quicker. 
And there's a lot of things that help, help, especially project managers, helps them out because, you know, if, and here's the big disclaimer, if people are tagging something and it's not a dummy tag, but a real tag. (laughs) I like uh, how dummy tag is an accepted term. Yeah. That's pretty funny. That, you know, that it actually helps you with your coordination. Um, but there are so many little things about just the graphics of that, you know, the out of the box Revit does or doesn't do that just really just irks the crap out of me that, you know, I draw a wall and say it's a wing wall, you know, that's on the end of a building and it's next here and it kind of extends out past. So it doesn't form a corner, but it kind of forms like a T and I want brick to turn that corner. Well, you can't get a standard wall to do that, so you have to have to build two walls to, you know, have it do what, you know, a couple of offset lines in AutoCAD would do. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's just these... Mo- you spend a lot of time resolving those things. Right, right. You know, but in, in the end, if it's done right and you, you know, you're cutting a detail or a section through those, it should actually work out to your advantage because you're half the way... You know, so once you start doing your enlarged details and everything, you're half halfway there. Yeah. If you do it right, you know. Yeah. Um, and again, it's the disclaimer of if you do it right, because yep. um, the one thing that I was, you know, I, I guess in my early Revit days, uh, you know, let's take the Wayback Machine. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, in the in the earlier, you know, in the early days of using it and transitioning to it. Um, I didn't really know it. So I did a lot of the drafting side of it and let, you know, the kids straight out of school and stuff, do the modeling come to find out that was probably the biggest mistake I'd ever made in my life because I was leaving people who knew Revit, but didn't know how to put buildings together to put the building together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so that kind of changed it. It it forced me to actually learn Revit right uh, i'm still yeah. still not you know i mean still ask a lot of questions and things like that but um i don't feel handicapped by my lack of knowledge in revit i'm, I'm you know feel like i can actually make revit do exactly what i want it to do um which you know is a good thing um no sympathy no sympathy man you know i mean honestly you know and to, to back to that um don't use your own personal ignorance as an excuse on why your documents could possibly suck or not suck. You know, um, I find use that the tools is, the right way. There is no excuse anymore for not knowing how to do something no, because you no. can you can easily find out how. Oh yeah, it's there's, easy. There's so many resources. Getmethod.com is a great one. Not not pitching anybody that is talking right now. You know? <laughs> Well, I, I want to go back to, I want to get your guys' impressions. Uh, I've been through you know, a couple of little downturns, one big one, one smaller one, and came out of school right when the economy really was was not very good either, and it was kind of hard to find a job. But uh, you talked about bonuses earlier. Yeah. And I wanted, I wanted to revisit that a little bit, because, you know, there, when I first started... Uh, was coming out of uh, a bad recession in the early 90s. And, um, you know, there was the promise of the bonus. And 
it, it seemed very um, kind of like you never really sure kind of there there was no clear cut if you do X you get Y right okay right that was it, and it, and it was at the time it was quarterly so you got maybe a little bit of something each quarter um, and you know things started going really well towards the middle and later 90s and then the, like the bonuses for whatever reason it, they like went away and became like something else entirely it was I, I i don't know it was very strange and then at another firm i worked for um for the the more senior level people which i was at the time there um we had this very kind of uh rigid bonus structure that was introduced for us and was like okay if you work like 2000 hours extra each year so i mean like 2080 is kind of what the ex- the accepted amount of hours you work in a normal you know year right so, just double that so double that if you work double that then you got you know a certain level of bonus but in addition to like um working those many hours you also had in this case i had a project team so my project team had goals they had to meet and some of it was you know efficiency goals they had to have so many billable hours they had to you know, um, and just all these different rules and regulations about, okay, if you do all these, you know, it's not just X, you get Y, but it was more like if you do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you get X. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, and then, if you, and then it was like multiple tiers of that. So as you moved up the ladder, so if you worked like 2,500 extra hours in a year, uh, or maybe it wasn't quite that high, but I mean, it just, it was a crazy number. Um, you know, then you you moved up to another higher percentage. That's called slavery. Yeah, doesn't, that, I'm afraid. We, yeah, but doesn't that sound disgusting? Yeah. It well, does. I, that, I want to get your guys' opinion. Like, and I mean, that was that was a different experience. And then you know, it, but it just seemed like you know the place my wife used to work. You know, it was like the bonus was always. Oh, let me let, let, before I get to that, the bonus back earlier always seemed like the carrot. Yes. It was like okay, here you you know. We're gonna we're gonna give you a raise, but it's only gonna be like you know two percent or three percent or something like that, and uh, one and a half. I don't know whatever it was, right? You know, but but really you've got this bonus, and you know the the promise of this bonus that you may get, which is however many you know whatever it was, and so really you know it's I mean we'll use like round numbers here so it's like okay you make fifty thousand dollars a year right well really you know there's this bonus out there of like four or five thousand whatever it might have been right so it's like okay really you make 55 a year and so you know you really don't need to have this big raise because you know you'll make it up with the bonus have you guys ever been sold that bill of goods too you know in reviews or you know I've, I've brought up a couple of things so I'm just I curious think- what you're I feel like the bonus are. is always some kind of mystery, right? Nobody nobody knows really how it's figured out, how it's divvied up amongst all the employees, how it works versus exempt versus non-exempt. Um, I would imagine it, it's usually almost always driven on profit, right? And so if the company's not doing well, no one's going to get a bonus. If it's doing really right. well, depending on the structure of the firm, it's going to get put out there. But it is always kind of this mystery that everybody is uh c- nobody's clear on exactly how it works and i even you know during the last few years of of this recession um it's not until that um 
review time comes around to when people find out that there isn't going to be one. Right? Right. Because they still want that mystery to be out there. They want everyone to think that there's still a possibility that you're going to get a bonus. Um, otherwise, magically, everybody, I don't know, just stops working. Like, because they don't actually care about the projects that they're working on. I mean, I, I honestly think they're going about it the wrong way. It's it's pretty crazy in this, in this industry that we're in. I agree. I mean, you know, because what, you know, I, they use the bonus as an incentive to... You know, get you to work to, to get you to work harder. You know, or to, you know, I guess stand out. Yeah, right. I mean, it is yeah. sort of the attempt. You know, and in Neil's case, it's to work twice as much as, um, you know, as you would allow, as, as legally allowed as legally right? allowed. Well, you know, remember, but that. you're exempt. But you're exempt. So, but you're, exempt, yeah. so but you're you, exempt. So you don't have to worry about the le- you know the legality of it all. But. Um, you know, but I think, you know, using that as the carrot, as you were saying, isn't, I mean, that doesn't seem to be a motivator. Um, you know, just, well, it isn't because it it's was. a year away. Well, but it was a big motivator in the one case where Evan, but, it was actually spelled out. If, if you do all these things, you hit all these goals, you'll make X. Yeah. But then and, you, and yeah, then you very X well got, spelled out. X better be really, you know, really good. Yeah, because if well, it's what you said it was, then I think a lot of people might just say, well, then that's not worth it, so I'm just not even going to try. Right, right. I Whereas think was, most firms, it's yeah. a mystery, and you don't know right. if what you're doing is good or not. But, but I mean, you know, what you're sacrificing, though, I mean, and, and here is really yes. where, where I was getting to the point, is you're sacrificing your your lifestyle, you know, your family, your, family, your, your sacrificing Everything. a lot of things, um, just a potential better life you know for more money for more money and in this particular case of you know if we're just using just the round figure uh example you were using not much money you're yeah so right, right. so, well, so let, let's just let's <laughs> yeah let's just do the math on that real quick so you're saying that for 40 hours a week for you know for the 52 weeks a year you're going to make fifty thousand dollars if you work double that we're going to give you another five. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it was. I'm, you know, I, those weren't realistic numbers, right? Right, but, but I mean, uh, but see, that's actually. It, you may say it's not realistic numbers, but you know, you've got people out there who are working, you know, fifty, sixty, seventy hours a week, constantly, right. all the time, for basically that small little carrot, and it may not even be that big, you know, if you're, you know, say you're a uh, um, recent graduate or something, or you're making, you know, or you're like in the two, three, four year range, and you're making between 45 and 50 a year, and, you know, you may get like $1,500 for working an extra 30% more. Right. (laughs) I I can give you... That's very true, actually. I can give you a couple of... uh, examples of quote-unquote bonuses that I've got. Uh, there was one competition where I was called in the last minute to take the the lead design on a project, and I worked for four days straight um, on it. That's, the, that's when the deadline was. It was four days later, and I worked four days straight, and I came out of that after the submission. Uh, and there were several of us. It wasn't just me. There was like a team of four people. Um, we got a $25 target gift card. 
Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Crazy, right? That it's, you know, I mean. Are you serious? And a handshake. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the leader's idea of a bonus for that. Uh, he, and this was a person who was never there. I'll, I'll, I'll do you one. Well, I don't. Do it. I'll, do it. Because then I got another one. Okay. <laughs> so, um, worked for a firm that was about 30 people. And, you know, I, I was an intern, you know, so I didn't really expect much of anything. Um, but I'd been there for seven months. And, you know, I heard throughout the year, oh, yeah, you know, we usually get, you know, pretty decent, you know, Christmas bonuses, you know. So, you know, at the Christmas party, you know, they're, you know, they, they usually like hand you a check and all this other stuff. So, you know, they're handing out all these envelopes and stuff like that, you know, and everybody's. You know, I guess it's in poor taste to open up the envelope while you're, you know, still at the party and stuff. So, you know, we're all like done and, you know, we're walking out to our cars and stuff and, you know, a group of us, you know, rode together. So, like, we open it all up and everybody, now this is an intern all the way to a senior project uh, manager, you know, we all open it up. We all got the exact same thing and it was a uh, $50 gift uh gift card or gift receipt whatever the hell it was to honey bake ham (laughs) and i'm a vegetarian (laughs) you know the funny thing was is that the senior project architect he's like fifty dollars won't even buy you half of a honey bake ham yeah (laughs) and i mean you should have seen the look on his face i mean he was so pissed i mean because i mean he honestly was I mean, again, now I wasn't really expecting anything because I was an intern. Um, right. But 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 the higher up you are, you really do have expectations. You do, when, especially when you're when it yourself. is thrown out there, and it's thrown out there. Yes, yeah. there is yeah. there is bonus potential based on your performance, right. right? When really it should be based on the outcomes that happen. You know, was the project profitable? Did you did you do well on the project? Is the client thrilled? Honestly, like, that that right there, your example is what should be the carrot is, you know, and in fact, actually I've, I've talked with a lot of construction managers and they, that's how they structure their bonuses. It's not What about, is your team have very high morale? You know, there's, there's a lot of ways to measure success within a company and it's not, um, I don't know. It's, it's not, it doesn't seem to be the real reasons that people do this for. I mean, you know, you you could always go back to, you know, the, you know what your incentive is? You got a job. Yeah. Yeah, you can. You know. And and you said you didn't expect it. And that's worked really well the last four four or five years, right? right? Because, you know, there's people who, you know. Because you can't count on that. That's right. Exactly. And you haven't, you know, raise, you know, bonus. What are those? You know, yeah. I've got a job though, and you know I can be happy about that kind of thing, and you know, but don't use it as an opportunity to abuse your employees, right? Um, right. Yeah. Just let me let me tell you my one last really sad story. Yes. Here. I got a fifty dollar bonus for for whatever, and when I got my paycheck, my paycheck <laughs> was lower <laughs> than what it usually usually was. Because they had, you know, t- add, added it on there because like, they had to tax it and stuff. Mm-hmm. It bumped me up into the next tax bracket, this $50 bonus. 
and I had to pay more in taxes. And I go to accounting, I say, what, what crack team is working on this here? You know? And, and, and they actually told me, well, maybe you'll get it back at the end of the year in taxes, you know? Right. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. oh, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> okay, I'll do that. <laughs> actually, you know, what's sick about um, bonuses and taxing and all that other stuff is that bonuses are taxed higher than higher. your normal, you know, your normal uh, income. And so, you know, say you get like a $1,500 bonus. And um, it gets taxed, and you actually only get, like, say, 900 or something because it's, like, taxed at, what is it, 30% or some 30 35%? more than that. Yeah, it's more, yeah, it's it's some, more than that. some craziness, it's some, but it's just, you know, it's right. just like, you know, uh, is it really worth it? Especially if it does bump you up into the next tax bracket. So when you are filling out your taxes and you're like, well, you know, you if, if you would have just made $50 less... You would have got money back, but now you owe four hundred bucks. Yeah, right. <laughs> Wait, I owe four hundred dollars on a fifty dollar uh, um, right. uh, bonus. Thanks. Hey, that's that's the bonus. Congratulations. No yeah. sympathy. No sympathy. No sympathy. <laughs> I guess that the moral of this story is um, you, number one: you can't count on bonuses. But number two: the, to the people who are starting architecture practices, you you get to decide how this works. Yeah. You don't have to do it the way that we're describing, which seems just crazy, right? But it's probably because that's the way they've always done it. And I feel like we we talked a little bit about this last episode with Mark LePage, and it was like, you you get to decide how your firm is going to do things. And, you know, I think this even goes back to one of our earliest episodes where we talked about Andrew Maynard's article where he said, you know, he kept a copy of the employee manual on his desk so that when someone said, I'm going to need you to come in on Saturday, um, you know, he said, OK, well, let's look what let's look up what the policy on that is. Yeah. You know, and and he didn't stand for any of the BS when it came to that kind of stuff. And he he's a very successful architect now because of it. He is running his own firm on his own terms, which seem to be very well regarded in the industry as cutting edge, even though they're they're just basic. Uh, common sense, I think, more than anything. So I, I just I want to implore people to, you know, you you have more power than you think you do. Um, you can go to your HR department and talk to them about this. You can just you can define and you can decide and design what your practice is going to be like and how you're going to reward your employees. Yeah, and even if you work in a larger firm, it's really up to you. Um, you know, it there is a lot of pressure, though. I will say. And especially as a young architect, yeah, definitely. Uh, working in a firm, it's you. You want to impress because you want to get the choice jobs. I yeah. mean, that's what it was when I worked for this firm. You know, it was thirty or forty people at the time, and uh, you wanted to be the go-to person that you know the senior management is looking for um, because those are the people that tend to get promoted. Those and, and you know, unfortunately, that's it's on in larger firms that's what happens yeah you know and you you do have a choice though i mean and as you said with andrew maynard it's he chose not to do that and he left that environment but for those that may not have that choice or may not feel they're ready to make that choice you know, you have to make do but you have to make your own personal decision on whether or not 
you know, you're going to come in, you're going to work that weekend or you're going to work that night or whatever it is. Um, I know when, you know, when I was first out of school and, and working in those first eight or 10 years, uh, I wasn't married. I didn't have a family. And so it was much easier for me to make that choice of I'm going to work like crazy and try and work my way up. And, you know, to a certain extent, it was successful. I, or I should say I was successful at that. You know, I did rise at the firm. And if I had stayed there, um, you know, I'd probably be in, in a better financial position than I am now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but I didn't. And that's, you know, that's the way things are. But, uh, you know, but I did make a decision, though, at, at other firms and other points in time. You know, the firm that I was describing earlier that did kind of go a different route and said, okay, well, now we're going to be very structured about who gets bonuses and how they're done. You know, there, there was some, um, some certainty in how that worked. Um, the hours were a little crazy. I don't think it was 2000. I think it was more like, uh, honestly, I think it was closer to a thousand hours extra a year, but I mean, it was, you know, that that's like working an extra four months. Yeah, out yeah, of the year. Yeah, exactly. You know, so you're going to work 16 months in 12. And, you know, the bonuses were fairly sizable. Uh, they were a certain percentage of your of your salary. And, you know, so, I mean, you were almost getting those four extra months in salary for that year. It wasn't quite that big, but it was close. And so, you know, there, there definitely was that reward uh, at the end. But when I was there, um, I did... You know, and this is probably what a lot of us encounter, I think, um, as, as we progress through our careers, is I had just gotten married and, you know, I missed an entire weekend trip that we were supposed to take because, you know, I had to step up. I had to be the person to get this done. And and so it's like, boom, we I had to blow off this whole trip. And, you know, but then I got married and I said, you know, this is crazy. You know, I never see my wife. I'm never home. I can't do this. And, and I left. Yeah. I said, you know, I just, I just said that was my choice at that time. I said, I am not going to make this sacrifice to earn this extra amount, uh, to do this. And, and the other project managers, there was like four of us at this firm of uh, four project managers and four or five of us. And, they were all crazy busy. They were doing it. And, you know, the, and I don't know if, I mean, Cormac, you, you've said, I, I know in the past on this show about how you'll maybe go home and have dinner, put the kids to bed, and then you head back to the office. I mean, if you live yeah. close enough, you can do that. And the other four project managers that I worked with at this firm, they all lived within a five minute radius of, of the office. And I didn't. I lived like 45 minutes away. I was the only one. And, you know, that's what they did. That's how they, they were hitting all these hours is they would go home for a few hours, come back at 8, 9 o'clock at night and work till midnight or 1 and then just do that every single day. You know, so you're racking up four to six hours extra every day. And, you know, for me, you know, the, the challenge for me was I couldn't do that. It was like I had a 45-minute drive home or a 45-minute drive back. So it's like, I'm not going to spend an hour and a half doing that thing. So I would end up getting there at seven in the morning and I'd stay till eight at night, you know, to try and get in those eight or, or 12 or 13 hours. 
And it's like, you know, after a while, I just physically couldn't do it. Yeah. And I said, forget it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't care what that bonus is anymore. That's when the money just doesn't matter. And we're not talking lawyer money, right? We're not talking a quarter million dollars a year or 200,000 a year. So it's just like, I'm not doing it. And I changed the situation. Yeah, I think it, that's important to say is that you do have some amount of control over your boundaries, right? Absolutely. And I think that you have to reevaluate those all the time based on your life situation. So I have found many, I, I think it's consistent that whoever you work for pretty much expects you to be like them. If they don't understand your situation, you need to, you need to have that conversation. So if they're in a completely different place in life than you, they have to understand where you are so that they can understand what your boundaries are. Um, but there's other people in the firm that probably have no clue about that. And they probably wonder why they never see you, you know? And, and, and that at, at that time, it's your supervisor's decision. Uh, it's your supervisor's um, responsibility to go to them and say, look, here's, here's why it, why it's like this. You know, and we've had that conversation and this is how it works and this is what I've agreed to. But a lot of times I think people don't say anything um, and they just either hope no one notices or they're afraid to say it or whatever. And then you get taken advantage of or you, you get let go because there's a misunderstanding. You know, the, the, something else that came to mind is that in school it's similar. Now, we're not talking bonuses. We're not talking money. Uh, we're not talking uh, getting ahead of the next student in your in your studio, but I, I would say you know you're still in charge of what you do even in studio, and you can make those choices like okay you know I'm not going to work tonight, I'm going to go out and have some fun because you know you're in college, do some growing up, have some fun, get your work done you know but don't. Don't kill yourself in school either. You got the rest of your life to do that. And then and you'll actually get paid for it. Or at least at least some of it. Yeah. <laughs> right? And uh, you know, I mean so I, I would say for those that are listening to us that are in you know, in studio or in school now, um, have some fun in school because it's very different. If you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know, it's it's not it's not all roses. It's not all bad either once you're out of school um, because it's nice getting a paycheck for actually working. You know, it would have been nice to get a paycheck when you know, I was in school too <laughs> But because uh, it seemed like I, was work I worked harder in school than I did out, out of school. And you had to pay for that abuse. And you had to pay for that abuse, yeah. <laughs> and you probably still are. Yeah. <laughs> well, in a way, if no, you're, you're no, working... I'm not. I'm done. <laughs> but if you're working, you know, like... Uh, half a year more and uh, almost a full year more just to get that carrot at the end of the you know string year you are paying for the you know yeah. you may be in you, different yeah. ways exactly That's right you know and oh, your yeah. health is probably suffering because of that as well you know in in as as neil and evan as you were both describing you know these situations and stuff you know i, I could just think is you know we've We've done this to ourselves. We've set up this kind of almost abusive relationship with our profession that, yeah. you know. And it's accepted. And right? it's accepted. I mean, it, you know, it's it's almost expected. Not even just accepted, yeah. but expected that, you know, 
you've got all these guys, well, you know, I mean, when I was an intern, you know, I was here, you know, 80 hours, 90 hours a week, you know, and I don't understand why you don't stay longer and stuff. And so, you know, then they say, oh, you know, well, to be successful, I've got to stay longer. And, you know, we just continuously perpetuate this problem with more and more, you know, um, you know, more and more abusive kind of, you know, ways that we stay later and, you know, I'm going to get this job done. You know, the job, you know, we've, we've talked about this on, on numerous occasions where if we schedule the project out properly, we're, you know, when we schedule a project out, we typically do it based on a 40 hour work week. If you can't get it done without, with, in the 40 hour work week, then really what the problem is, is that it wasn't scheduled out properly in the first place. Um, or, well, that's go ahead. I was going to say that's true, but then Evan, or I mean, Cormac, you, you also said, you know, earlier tonight that sometimes your deadlines change or, right. you know, or deadline doesn't move and the scope changes and that's out of your control. Well, you know, then well, what do yes you do? know. Well, you do have but, to say something, and 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 that was where I was going, Evan. Is, is yeah. that you know, okay, you know, you if if things change, then you've got to speak up and let it know, you know, let it be known. If say you know, okay, we're gonna you know assign this project to Neil, and you know we've done it so that Neil will be a hundred percent billable to this project for a year, um, but. Neil's also got two other projects that he's 100% billable for those projects <laughs> as well. You know, so now you're now you've basically tasked Neil to do three years worth of work in one year. Um, you know, so you you got to figure out it's like okay, this isn't this won't work. So we've got to staff it right, and, and I'm not going to get on the soapbox of staffing. You know proper staffing and all that other stuff because that's a whole rant in itself it's yeah it's complicated but i mean you know yeah very complicated but i mean you know so, but so you know if you're just like okay you know yeah now i have three years worth of work that i've got to get done in one year if you don't step up and say something about it then they're just going to say okay you know neil can handle this you know maybe um six months into it we give neil another project because now all he's got you know he's got six years or six months of a project done, you know, he can handle another project, you know, kind of thing. And, you know, we just let that, you know, go on and on and on and on and on. And, and it's, and if you're, and if that's the incentive is just that they rely on you, which, you know, tends to be the case in a lot of, you know, it's just, you want to make yourself so indispensable that you'll take all of this responsibility on and you'll push yourself to do all of this work and everything that, that's really it. That's that's what your reward is, regardless of what they're paying you. It's just that you're, you know, they're just going to work you more. That's the reward is they're going to work you more and you're it's not going to be a good lifestyle. It's, it's going to be just this, you know, rough working condition because you're just, you know, you're you're abusing yourself. I mean, and then, we, you know, it just so it's that kind of that cyclical thing is what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, if no you, sympathy, yeah. <laughs> no sympathy. No, it's it's it really in this particular case, it's we can all sympathize because we've all done it. The problem is, is that 
as as you were talking about, you know, Andrew Maynard, you know, from what was that? It had to have been like our first show or first or second show, you know. You know, he did it right. You know, he's gearing it towards. You know, we we all talk about. You know, architecture is not just our profession, but it's our life. You know, I mean, it's it's part of us. It's part of what we do and who we are. And so, okay, so that's fine. But how does your life and your profession, you know, enrich your actual life? You know, your day. Right. And if you can't, if it's you're working yourself to death that's what your life is going to be is just one constant yeah. work you know and so you have to find that happy balance and yeah i agree and, well said yeah. so anyway no sympathy <laughs> no sympathy i guess i guess what we're trying to say is this isn't an easy profession <laughs> well you know i mean to be quite honest with you it could be if you know we find that balance you know um because you know if you're educated enough and you're experienced enough to and you know you can manage your your time and everything else properly architecture is not hard it's really not that hard it's no it's, you can make a decent living yeah, doing it. it it's complicated there's a lot of parts and pieces that you've got to know or at least understand how they all go together and make sure that the right people are doing the right things but it's really not that hard um and you know and, and now this is you know coming from three people who've been in the profession for you know 13 14 15 in Neil's case, a hundred years. And, you know, um, it's sorry, man. He didn't laugh. He did. He's, he's, he's yelling at some people to get off his lawn, but, um, yeah. do I have to remind you that there's a mute button on my mic? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but, no. um, but anyway, you know, it's, uh, see, you got me off, off track here. I didn't. I was silent. I didn't no, say just, anything. I, mean, I was going to let you go well, with it. I was just, you know, getting to the point of it. You know, it's just like it, it's not that hard for us. You know, it could be very difficult and complicated for you know the people who are just coming out of school. And it's people like us who need to show them, you know, the right way to do things. And if we're giving them the example of, you know, well, we're going to bust our ass and work. Um, you know, 60 hours a week, 70, 80 hours a week and stuff like that. You know, we are continuing. You're setting that example. We're setting that example to continue the, you know, to perpetuate this problem that we have in this profession. Yeah. Um, so anyway. True. So, we, so we need to make the change. So, we, uh, you know, right. to enact the change, so Cormac, we need to be the change. Stop working all these hours. Mm. Remember that's how we started the show. <laughs> Remember, Cormac, you're your own worst enemy. I don't want to hear. I completely no. agree with you, and and that's why we will have in an upcoming episode staffing a project properly. Oh, that that sounds like a good teaser for the next episode. Then. Exactly. <laughs> well, then I guess uh, with that, um, let's wrap this one up, guys. Sounds good. All right. If you have questions or comments, visit our website at arcaspeakpodcast.com, where you'll find links to our individual Twitter accounts and the Arcaspeak Podcast Facebook page, so you too can join in on the conversation. 
If you have an inspiring tale to share, call the Arcuspeak podcast at 415-484-8496 and we'll share it on the show. And if you haven't done so already, please leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, with that, stay subscribed and thanks for listening. All right. Good night, everybody. Night. Good night. I used to shy away from the stampede. I'd hibernate, hunker down in my heart at all. To get good at the game, I had to grease up my fire gear. And that craving came when you crossed the lawn. Yeah.